Welcome to a very special edition of New Hope. Grace, a glorious night. Joy is what we're celebrating this last Advent, and what better way to celebrate the joy than through our children. She saw the tall, shining man standing there. Mary was frightened. Gabriel told her that God was very happy with her. She did not need to be afraid. With a Christmas message from Pastor Randy from Luke chapter 2. And he's coming to the shepherds and he's telling them this joy is for not just you. It's for all people. Can I get an amen in this house today? And Pastor Randy welcomes in a very special guest speaker to today's stage. He showed me that he can use anything for good. Here's Pastor Randy. Luke chapter two. Uh, I, uh, my, I, I, I do my weddings in about 12 and a half minutes and my children's program sermon in about the same amount of time. So here we go. Luke... That's not a good thing to woohoo. All right, okay. All right. Luke chapter two, verse eight. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Listen to this church of great, what's the word? Joy. That will be for who? A few people. It'll just be for a, a few people that I really, not really like. It's just gonna be for just a few people. It's gonna be for this group of people, this group of people. No, it's for all people. It's for joy for all people. And he's coming to the shepherds and he's telling them this joy is for not just you. It's for all people. Can I get an amen in this house today? I was listening to some, a pastor this week and he said, when I get excited, I start speaking backwards. Wow. I'm kind of excited right now because this is a message that's for all people. And he said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those in whom he is pleased. There is, there is two options for who these shepherds were. And one story was here that this was kind of a ragtag group of people, the, the ones kind of the outcasts of society that would have, they, would, they were working the midnight shift. Any of y'all ever worked the midnight shift? I've worked the midnight shift before. It's usually not the one everybody wants to do. There's another real possibility we see this through extra biblical sources because these lambs were the lambs for the Passover. And these very well could have actually been priests that were out there making sure that these lambs were the perfect lambs. Regardless of that, I do find it interesting in the Christmas story that the only people who were ever freaked out were the men when the angels came. Mary wasn't freaked out. That's kind of how it works at our house too. It's like Anita's the one who doesn't get freaked out and stuff. That, that Mary responds in a whole different way. They, these guys, these guys were experiencing Jesus, God, in a way that was new to them. What, what, what happens when we experience God that way? 
Verse 15, and the angels went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this angel. They looked for Jesus like the Magi looked for Jesus and then they told others. How do you know when God is at work? And I would ask you this morning, church, if an angel came to you today and told you to do something, would you do it? If, if you don't do what this says now, you probably wouldn't. If, if we're not being obedient to the word of God now, even the voice of an angel, would it, would it move us to do something? And they were moved and they were, they were nudged. Do you know that nudge? If you've been walking with God for a while, you know that nudge. The other day, I, Monday, Monday I, was, um, I was in my office and I just had this nudge. And I, the, this story of my week started by listening to that nudge. And I went over to Grayson High School. I went over to the field house. I wasn't even really sure why I was going. And then when I got there, it was, it was situation after situation, relationship after relationship. I do not believe in coincidence, church. I've followed God too long. I've been in too many places. What I do believe in is the providence and the sovereignty of God, and I believe in relationships, and I believe in preparation, and I believe in discipline, I believe in courage in stepping into those things. And when, and when you sense that nudge of God, that, that moving of God, that, that voice in your life that's, that's nudging you and, and you answer it, you see that God brings us to this place of joy. Every person in this Christmas story had to follow that nudge. The shepherds, whether they were priests or they were the guys who were working the midnight shift. They had to answer that voice. Joseph, Mary, they had to answer that, that nudge. They had to step into this thing that would have been an uncomfortable thing, the Magi. The, the Magi were, were probably Zoroastrians who, who studied the skies. And, and you know, it's, it says, it's an interesting thing in scripture. Um, we, we call them the wise men. The, there very well could have been women that were Magi as well. There were Zoroastrians, these same people. There were women priests. It very well could have been that this was not just men that were coming that brought these gifts, but regardless, they had to see something and respond to something, this nudge, this, this move. How do we respond when, when we sense that nudge from God? Over the course of the week, I saw that initial nudge move in relationships and begin moving. And at the end of the week, I stopped and I looked back and I just kind of wrote it all down about how all that stuff worked. It was like this weaving of this thread through. And at the end of the week, this is, this is where it came to for me. It came to this. It came to what kind of community are we gonna have for our children? What kind, of, what kind of environment are we gonna have for our children? And, and the, the Wednesday morning, I, I, I go to a Bible study on Wednesday, and Wednesday morning, I was, I was sitting at the edge of my driveway at 6.20, as I always do, and I'm linking up 
my, my podcast onto my car so I can listen to Miss Myrna Brown and, and the world podcast. And I was sitting there and the thought had hit me because as it seems like happens on a weekly basis, someone else had called me and told me they were moving to a Coney. Seems like it happens every week. And I was sitting, as I was driving down, that emotion had kind of hit me as I, as I got up and I was praying and as I was, as I was studying in the word before I, I got to my car. And I, was, and I was kind of just grieving that because I love these people and I miss these people. And I'm like, and I literally said to the Lord as I'm, as I'm driving down my driveway, syncing up my podcast, I said, Lord, is everybody moving to a Coney? Like, how big is that place? And I got to the edge of my driveway and I, I'm not saying I heard this word. That's not the way God speaks to me. But I sensed it. Look. And I turned and I looked to this traffic light down here. It was 6.20 in the morning and cars were lined up in every direction as far as you could see. He said, not everybody's moving to a county. There's a lot of people moving here. And what kind of world are we going to have for our kids? What kind of environment are we going to have? I was talking to Abby Chapman here yesterday. I said, Abby, I know where you're going to college. She's going to Dakota. I said, what are you going to major in? She said, I'm going to major in education. She said, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to spend my days talking to kids. If, if you have chosen to live your life invested. Now, I know we honor teachers at the, end of the, at the beginning of the year, but I wanna do it again today because, listen, it's halfway through the year and these people need some encouragement. If, you, if, you are, if, you're a, if you're a teacher or a coach or an administrator, would you, would you stand up? Public, private, homeschool, would you stand up? Don't be shy, come on, come on. Thank y'all. Now stay standing, stay standing. If, if, you're a, if you're a parent, stand up. All right, we're gonna give these people, yeah, some applause too. I mean, I don't, I mean ever. If you love kids, stand up. I'm just going to tell you something. If you're not standing now, you're in the wrong church. Can I get an amen on that? God is on the move. All right, sit back down for just a second. All right. I should have done that at the end. That would have been really, I need to write that down for next hour. And then they, they tell this story. Look at this, because it says that, it says that they made known when they saw and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. Look at this. They returned to the normal without being normal again. And church, I think that's the challenge. When you, when you walk with God and you sense that nudge of his Holy Spirit, that, that you, st you go back to the normal, but you're not normal anymore. You don't go back to that. Listen, we got a world that, that is filling its, itself with entertainment and nothingness nothingness. Anita and I, we got up there the other morning and I said, we've been watching this series and we're not, I said, honey, we shouldn't watch this. She said, I never wanted to. I said, there's not a redeeming character in this series. And I'm just going to tell you, 
if, if a group of men taught, used those words around you at some point, I would, I would have to stop it. And I ain't bringing it in my house. And we, we're, we, we, wind up, we wind up filling our lives with nothingness and expecting there to be somethingness that comes out. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. The, these, these shepherds, and whether they were priests or not, look at, what, look at what they did. They went and they told, and look at this, and all, look at this, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. That's spoken in a negative sense. All who heard it wondered. Now, when it says all here, it, it doesn't mean like every single person. It's like when the florist says, we, we have people everywhere. Okay, I, I'm not, if I open my shower curtain and there's a florist there handing me flowers, I'm gonna freak out. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, that was funnier than you guys gave me credit for. Uh, it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like every single, it means the vast majority of people here. We're gonna see that in just a second. Because most people saw it and wondered, what? I mean, honestly, if I came to you and told you this morning, listen, last Saturday, I was out there mowing the field. I was on a tractor, and all of a sudden, an angel was standing up on the front end of it, and he started talking to me. Y'all would be worried. You would. Some of you would. Some of you would be like, no, that's Randy. So that's these stories, these things happen to him all the time. But, but you'd, they had to act in faith. And some people wondered. Some people didn't get it and didn't see it. Listen, church, I've seen too many miracles to be an atheist or an agnostic. I've just seen too many. I've seen God show up too many times. I've seen it too many times. I, listen, I felt that nudge too many times. I felt that sense to go down the hill and you find the baby and you pray and the baby's HIV positive and now he's not anymore. You tell me how that works. I don't mean, I don't mean the miracle of the healing. I mean the miracle of the nudge. How, I, I've seen God do it too many. I've seen God put people back together again. I've seen him repair that which was broken. I've seen God take lives that were devastated, destroyed, had nothing going for them. And I've seen those things turned around and I've seen it too many times. Don't tell me there's no God. Listen, listen, you, here's the thing. Some wondered, but Mary pondered. That's why I'm saying the, the, the way it says that some wondered, it's said in a really negative sense. It's not like we're wondering like, oh, this is amazing. No, there's a, there was the, some wondered, some, almost everybody's like, I don't know about that. Yeah, you're a shepherd. You're out there in the middle of the night. What are you guys cooking out there? You from Kentucky? Pray for Kentucky, by the way. Talked to my brother last night. Western Kentucky's devastated. Mary pondered, but look what the shepherds did. The shepherds worshiped. It says, it says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Let me make something really clear here that hit me this week. You, you realize that what, what he did for them, they didn't win the lottery here, the shepherds. They didn't win a big prize for them. This was, this was an opportunity that was given them. That's what they were celebrating. They were celebrating Jesus, not them. We live in a world that's so self-consumed now. We value ourselves based on how many likes we have on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, or, or TikTok. 
We, we put our value on that. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I'm very active on all things social media. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a great way. I mean, you get to communicate with friends from miles and miles away. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It doesn't determine your value. It also, it also, when we see that we live our lives for something besides us, is how we get joy. This is what counselors will say. You're going through depression, and, and, and I know a little bit about that. Serve somebody else. Live your life. Step into somebody else's pain. How does that nudge work? I, I don't know exactly. I, I, was, I was at a, I was at a, uh, it was a couple's event we had at this church, and it wasn't a dance because we didn't dance at this church. We should do it. We should do like a prom again. Because I wasn't allowed to go to prom because it was a bad thing and uh, a, a sinful thing, you know? But, and, and some of y'all don't remember your prom because it was a bad thing, all right? So we should do a prom again, all right? But, but we were doing this, big, it was like a big band thing and stuff, and I was emceeing, and, and, they, and the pastor came to me and said, I need you to go to the hospital. And I said, it's more important than doing this? He goes, yeah, we need you to go. Take Anita with you. We get to the hospital. I walk into the neonatal intensive care unit and I walk up to this lady and she's standing there and there's this baby and there's tubes everywhere. And I walked up and I said, hi, her name was Sarah. I said, Sarah, my name's Randy. I'm a pastor over at the community church. She turns and she looks at me and she goes, you have no idea what I'm going through. I don't wanna talk to you. I said, Sarah, I, I understand. I said, I I." I don't know what you're going through. I do know what this is. She goes, you've told them they could turn the machines off. I said, yeah, a year, three weeks, and six days ago. And she said, then you can talk to me. He might use your pain, church. He might use that thing that you wish had never, ever, ever happened. And that doesn't make it all easy. Romans 8, 28 does not say God work, makes all things work together for the fun, does it? It says for the good. The shepherds, all of these people in this story stepped into something that God had called them to. It wasn't necessarily easy and they returned to the normal without being normal. Worship team, come on up here. I wanna show you a video. I wanna read this verse for you as we're watching this video. Go ahead and hit it. Now watch this. Is it coming up? Watch this video. I want to read this for you. It does make me feel bad about my burger Friday night. I'm going to be honest. Okay, now listen. Listen to this. Listen to this verse. This is in the Bible. You can pause that because I can't compete with that baby cow. But for you who fear my name, that, that word fear there could be easily translated awe of my name. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. When we listen to God's word, when we give awe to him, the son of righteousness will rise with healing, with restoration, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Do you know that verse was in the Bible? How many of y'all grew up on a farm? 
you know what? Not many of you. It looks like this. When you let the baby cows out, that's what they do. They go out and they kick and they jump and, and, and their front legs and their back legs go in different directions and, and, and they leap like that. And this is what the Bible says we're supposed to be. That we would live a life of joy. I have good news of great joy for a few people. All people. All people. So we walk through situations and challenges and struggles and, and the way we grieve and the way we struggle, the world sees. And I wanted to bring somebody up to share a word of testimony today that has been a hero to me for a long time. And I'm not gonna talk long here about this or I'll be a mess. Um, but, I've, but I've watched him, I've watched him look at challenge and, and say, bring it on. I'm gonna keep doing my ministry. So would you guys welcome Bill Potter up here? Come on, Bill. You wanna go up there or you wanna be down here? All right. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Randy asked me to do my testimony. Uh, so I'm going to try. Uh, really, the only testimony I have is that uh, God is. Everything is about him. I hope that this will glorify him because that's what I want to do. Uh, you know, he is holy. He's powerful. Uh, he's loving. He is the creator of everything. Nothing was made that was not made without him. And uh, he made me. He loves me. And uh, he saved me. And there's nothing that happens to me without his approval. So everything is good. All his plans for me are good. I want you to carry that testimony today, and hopefully everything else will be to his glory and honor as well. Uh, I'm going to give you, a, my journey today is uh, 78 years. I'm going to give you a few highlights uh, just to let you know how I got here. <laughs> and uh, I was born in Atlanta in 1943 uh, into a God-fearing family. My grandmother and grandfather's my mother and dad, they raised me in the church. Uh, we went to an independent Christian church all my uh, young life. And uh, I knew scripture. I knew stories. I was raised that way. I was, uh, went to church camp. I was baptized when I was 12 years old at church camp. Uh, I grew up in Forest Park. Uh, it's out near the airport. And it was a great childhood. I had... Uh, I rode my bike everywhere, swam in the lakes, uh, played sports. You know, it was just a great time I, uh, that I had there. In 1961, I graduated from high school uh, and uh, went to Georgia Tech. My first year at Tech, I started dating my uh, future wife, Patsy. 
And uh, somehow I got out of Georgia Tech <laughs> in uh, 1965. And uh, one week later, Pat and I were married. One week after that, I went to work at a company called Southwire over in Carrollton, Georgia. And um, one year after that, I was drafted into the Army. <laughs> we were not supposed to be drafted. I was supposed to be deferred, but it, that didn't work out either. <laughs> Some things that God puts in your path uh, you think are the worst things turn out to be the best things. And that's uh, the two years in the Army, they were, they were good. So in 68, uh, I, well, let me go. Went to basic training at Fort Benning. Uh, then I was stationed at Yuma Proving Grounds. I was a uh, mechanical engineer, and I was testing um, weapon systems to ship to Vietnam. I uh, got out of the Army, went back to work for Southwire. 1969, my son David was born. 1970, my daughter Susan was born. Um, 70, I left Southwire and went to uh, the University of Georgia to get my graduate degree. Retired, I got out of uh, Georgia and uh, went to work for Western Electric over here on the cable plant in Norcross and uh, retired from that in 2005, uh, moved to Grayson, and uh, been a member of Grace New Hope for uh, since 05 as well. So that's just kind of uh, some of the highlights, you might say, who, what I've experienced. But really, there's a lot of living in, uh, in those years. And I look back, and uh, God's hand was always leading me. It seems that I'm always looking back and seeing him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. To, when you're looking in the future, uh, it's unknown. It's sometimes scary. But uh, you look back and you see his hand was there. His protection was over you. My family was always praying for me. I know that. And uh, Pastor's probably praying for me right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, everything he did was good for me. I was raised in a Christian family, as I said, but, you know, that doesn't make you a Christian. I knew all the stories uh, and uh, scriptures and things like that, but uh, it was head knowledge, not heart knowledge. And uh, God really gave me Patsy so that she could keep me close to the church. She's the one that kept me, when our young, in our young married years, she kept me going to church. I didn't want to be there. And, uh, but I, I'm always thankful for her for that. When I left home at 18, I, I kind of went into my own wilderness. I, I went into the world, and instead of, uh, and I was shaped by the, the pattern of the world. I conformed to the pattern of the world. I was ambitious. I uh, wanted to succeed. Uh, I was seeking praise and admiration. That's kind of what, who I was as a young man. At 30, all that changed. One night I was sitting in uh, church, Sunday night, and the preacher read this scripture. I, I'm, not, I'm going to paraphrase these scriptures. You can look them up if you want to, but these are, are ways that the Spirit talked to me and people around me talked to me. And the way I heard about, about God. I was sitting in that chair or that pew. 
and the preacher read Revelations 3.20, and it says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with them, and they with me. Well, that night I was praying. I said, "Uh, Jesus, if you're real, then I'm opening the door. I want you to come in if you're real. Well, the next morning, nothing really changed, but something really changed. My heart changed. I knew he was real. I knew that he was alive, and he was who he said he was. Everything changed after that. I mean, my whole life, Scripture came alive. This book, as Randy said, (laughs) this book changed. It was personal now, real personal. It was a letter from the Father to me telling me who he was and who I was. And uh, so, anything that was different. But the Spirit began to speak to me in, in different ways. Uh, Pat and I, uh, well, I was on fire. I mean, I couldn't get enough of uh, preaching. I couldn't get enough of reading. That's all I did. And uh, anyway, uh, we went to a, a lay renewal weekend, and uh, we were sitting at a small group meeting. And there was a guy as old as I am now. He was talking to us. And the scripture he was reading was Malachi. It was chapter 3. And the thing that stuck out to me when he uh, was talking, it said, God said, test me in this. He was talking about uh, giving the tithe, giving the offering. And uh, truthfully, Pat and I, we couldn't make ends meet. End of the month, there was no check left. There was no money left. We couldn't conceive of tithing to God, but we were touched. And so we decided to do it. And lo and behold, at the end of the month, we had money left over. God is faithful. He is true. And everything he says he follows up on. There's nothing that falls short of him. So that was one experience. That was a step out, trusting that, okay, this doesn't look right. It doesn't make any sense, but we're going to do it. Um, Then uh, I guess another thing that sticks out in my memory is, uh, as I said, I was pretty ambitious. Uh, I was trying to get ahead I was a uh, project manager with Western Electric at, at the time, and I had this project, uh, a new product coming on st- online. I had to give a presentation to my vice president, and uh, I was terrified. The night before the presentation, I was still in the office at 1 a.m. trying to get this thing together, uh, trying to make it work, trying to make it smooth, etc. cetera. And uh, I, I was just, uh, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was so nervous, and finally I gave up. I just said, I can't do this, God. I just can't do it. You have to do it. Well, uh, the next morning, I, I go in to make the presentation. The vice president doesn't even show up. He didn't, he didn't show, and I'm, I'm thinking, wow, all of that for nothing. 
So the project, he rubber-stamped the project, and, and he never did that before. So uh, it was praise the Lord on that one, right? <laughs> well, Philippians 4, 4 through 8 is a guiding uh, scripture for me, and I learned that from that experience. And, and it's just like this. Uh, God says things to you that don't make any sense. In Philippians 4, he says, don't be anxious for anything. Can you imagine that? How do you do that? And that was my question. That's impossible, but it's not impossible because he tells you right after that, he says, bring that to me. He says, bring all your petitions and your anxieties to me, and I will give you peace. And that's what he does. Again, he doesn't promise anything he doesn't fulfill. He gives you peace. Uh, the other thing, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple more of these, but uh, I grew up in a legalistic church where you follow the rules, you know, and, and you always feel a little guilty because you can't do that. You cannot uh, do all those things. So one of the freeing things, uh, again, uh, it was in a, a sermon or a, a study that we were doing. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, he says, there are only uh, two things, really, that you have to worry about. You love God and you love others. And all those rules that I was trying to keep are tied up in that. It's an attitude and a relationship. The attitude of love. Love God, love others, and you don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about it. The last thing, uh, again, an impossible thing on the surface. Count it all joy when you have trials of, of many kinds. That's James 1, 2. Count it all joy. How do you do that? In November of 2020, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. But he, he showed me that he can use anything for good. He can touch people around you in ways that he couldn't do it otherwise. So I count it all joy. All joy. Again, I want to tell you, nothing happens until you step out. You can have it in your head all you want. You got to trust it. You got to do it. Just like Randy said, if you're not going to do it, then it's just words on a page. You got to do it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. I'm Myrna Bryant.